Welcome to PlayStation Daily. I'm John Blanco, and today is the exciting conclusion of my top eight PlayStation games of the year. The top two are happening now. What are they gonna be? Just to recap so far, number eight was Sea of Stars. Number seven, Jusant. Number six, Horizon, Burning Shores. Number five, Street Fighter VI. Number four, Hogwarts Legacy. Number three was Dredge. We're up to the top two. I'm going to do it a little bit differently this time. We're going to start with my number one game of the year because it would be a little anticlimactic to name number two when you can then guess number one. So, without further ado, my 2023 PlayStation 5 game of the year goes to Marvel Spider-Man 2. Congratulations, Spidey, you did it. And obviously my number two game of the year is going to go to Baldur's Gate 3. So let me talk about Spider-Man 2 and then I will talk about why I chose it over Baldur's Gate 3. Spider-Man 2 marked the only like real first party game for um, Sony this year. And they sure had a banger on their hands. If you're going to have one, this is the one. I uh, played, I was late to Spider-Man, the initial Spider-Man. Um, I didn't play that until like years later. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. No wonder everyone has been talking about this game for years. Like, this is great. This is, this is so much fun. And I, and I hundred percented the base game. And then I started doing the DLC. I think I did a couple of the DLCs. I think there was like four or five. And then I kind of fell off. I, I had, I had, I had my fill. And then I was late to Miles Morales. I didn't get a PS5 at launch. Um, my son played it on PS4, but I never, I never played it. And I, I was late to that. I played that, I think last year. And I was like, this is fantastic, whatever. So when Spider-Man 2 was coming out, I was excited for it, but worried that maybe it's just too much Spider-Man. I've already done two of these games in the last few years. Is it too much Spider-Man? And I can say, no, it is not too much Spider-Man. It takes place basically in the area from the first game and the area from the second game meshed, not meshed into one, but on one big map. And um, from that perspective, you could argue and say, oh, it's very similar or whatever, but all the quests are different and the bosses are different. And there's a lot of bosses and a lot of Spider-Man universe characters in this game. It's a lot of fun. Um, the story's different and all that stuff. But what makes this game so fantastic is that you play as Peter and Miles and you can switch between them basically seamlessly. Um, the animation, there's definitely a few seconds in there that they're built in for fast loading, right? Because it does load super, super fast. And... It's like, I get it, like, fantastic, whatever, but it is really quick, and, oh, God, the fast travel in the game is is fantastic. I, it's just, it was so great. Sometimes you just want to play as Peter, and sometimes you want to play as Miles. There are quests that belong to each one, and they made it nice and easy. If, if you had to do a Peter quest and you get there as Miles, it doesn't go, no, you're the wrong Spider-Man, like maybe like other games might do. It just says, oh, do you want to switch to, to Peter now? And then you just switch to Peter and the quest begins. It's like, thank you. Fantastic. There's so many moments in the game when the two Spider-Manses interact with each other and they're fantastic and just great voice acting work. You, you really love these characters. And I was hard on the voice actor for Peter Parker because he was, he was nominated for best performance. And I said, well, 
yeah, but I don't think he should be. I think there's other performances that because of the roles were better, but I don't want to put down the fact that Peter Parker and Mosman, they are perfect. They do excellent jobs for what they are asked to do here. And by the end of the game, you, it's hard to choose between the Spider-Mans. I, I lean Miles Morales, but it's hard to choose between them because they both have such interesting story arcs, especially with Peter hanging out with MJ. Um, they're both fantastic. And as you get towards the, the, the end of the, I mean, the early part of the game, I love the beginning of this game, by the way, the, the opening five minutes are just fantastic. Every time, um, when, when Cedric played it, I watched him. And then when my wife played it and she played the first 20 minutes of this game, um, I watched it cause I think it's so fantastic. And the early parts of the game are you guys just doing different quests, but then the back half of the game really starts to bring you to working together. And it is just fantastic. And the final hour and a half of this game is so good. You know, just the final run at it um, is so good. <laughs> so many redeeming storylines. It's it's incredible. The quests are really fun. Um, not, you know, it, not every quest feels so, you know, fetch questy. You know, sometimes these games can be like that where it's like, okay, where do I got to go now? Who do I got to find and whatever? There's a good variety of the quests and there's a lot of heart in the quest. So in, in many ways, it reminds me of like the Witcher 3 games where even if you try to boil down the quest to its fundamental elements, it's still the storyline and the characters which make it not feel like they're repetitive. It makes it feel interesting and you want to do them. And I 100% of this game not even a thought. It never felt grindy. I enjoyed doing it. Um, every part of it was fantastic. There's these little, um, what are they? They're like little drones you have to find. And I came to find out pretty late in the game that I was like, oh, I got to find all these drones. And I was like, really? They're going to make me find all these drones? And I was like, there's no way I'm doing it. And then like, I was like, no, I'm totally going to do it. And I, en I even enjoyed just swinging around Manhattan looking for a freaking drone. They make it a little easier by giving you how many there are in a certain area. Just swinging around, listening for drones, looking for drones. Everything in this game was incredibly fun. And then by the end of it, I said to myself, this doesn't feel like a game I could replay, at least not anytime soon. Yet I still want to replay the game. <laughs> and so I'm really excited for the new content that's going to come. Um, like I said, I, I'm curious about this new game plus mode. I really want a reason to play this game again. And uh, I'd love to see a DLC. I, I anticipate we will get DLC because the first game got DLC. In the meantime, I'll play Miles Morales. But uh, absolutely fantastic. There is nothing bad about this game at all. And I feel like the only reason why it didn't win Game of the Year was because we, we've seen Spider-Man and we've seen Miles Morales. But man, oh man, this game has so many great moments in it. And it's still so fun to swing around. And it's still so fun to, to you know, upgrade your skills and and ugh, just fantastic. And there's still nothing better than stalking around, um, you know, in the top of a warehouse and just slinging enemies that don't even know you're there and just having them sit around in the rafters. They also improved the MJ sequences, which honestly, I actually enjoyed from the first game. I thought they were a nice change of pace, little stealth missions or whatever. They could be frustrating if you keep getting caught and having to redo it over and over. They made MJ really OP in this game, and it was kind of hilarious. It was like a big, you know, uh, how do you say it on a clean show? But you know what I mean? Like, it was a it was a big little symbol to others. Um, you know, hey, um, you know, you were complaining about the MJ sequences. Well, now try it. Um, but I had, I had a lot of fun with it. She was really powerful in this game. So fantastic. That is my game of the year for the PlayStation. 
Let me talk about what was a close second, and that is Baldur's Gate 3. Obviously, this game has gotten tons of acclaim, um, and it got the uh, Game Awards Game of the Year. But I have very little bad to say about this game. The only bad thing I can really say about this game is it's still a little buggy. Um, I, I did a replay of the game, which started at least you know a couple months after the game came out, and it's still buggy. Like, it... It just has issues where sometimes your characters stop and you're waiting for something to happen and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting or whatever. Um, I'm still hoping they can fully polish this game up a bit, maybe 90% or so. But other than that, it's so fantastic. This is a game where you, it's a fantasy setting. It's uh, yeah, probably maybe based a little bit on Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, but really this game is completely standalone, maybe except for some references. You're not going to miss anything. Uh, the story is you are sort of kidnapped. You're brought on a ship. They put a little bug. It goes into the back of your eye. It's kind of gruesome to watch. And um, early on in the game, your goal is really to get this bug out because if you leave the bug there, it's going to take over your body and you're going to turn into one of these like squid dudes. And then over time, the story changes a lot of it based on your actions and there becomes a, a much bigger, important storyline by the end. But that's what makes this game so good, especially that first act where... Your goal, I mean, not everything has to be about saving the planet, right? Your goals are minimal. I want to get this thing out of my head. You know, okay, you got a screwdriver? I love when games have very localized goals. And man, to say that the characters in this game are interesting is just such an understatement. You fall in love with every one of these characters, some to different degrees than others. And when I played the game the first time, my base party was Gale and Shadowheart and Lazelle. And I loved Lazelle, and I wanted to romance Shadowheart. I didn't much care for Gale. I just felt like I needed to have, you know, some sort of magic user in the party. And I got through the game largely with them. There were times I would switch in um, Astorian just because he's the rogue and, like, you know, he could just fly through locks that you want to get through. But for the most part, my basic three characters are them. I played the game, loved it to death. When I played it, I started playing it a second time. I have a run that's going, although I haven't played it in a while. I have a completely different party. And each one of those side characters has a, a huge side quest story that you are trying to resolve for them. Shadowheart is, uh, she's like a, kind of like a religious, like witchcraft type figure. And um, she finds that very important to her. And so you're trying to get her through that. Uh, Lazelle has her own story. And then she's the one that's trying to guide you to, um, to her people to help with the things in your eye. And you don't have to finish those storylines, but they are rewarding to do. And um, so there's like a main quest line and then this very important side quest line, similar to like how Hogwarts Legacy is. And then there's like the little side quests that like you can do them. Some person in the street needs your help. If you want to go for it. There's just so much to do in this game. And because it doesn't do the traditional thing where you see a character on the street and they have a little exclamation point over their head to know that you need to talk to them. Honestly, there was a lot of side quests I was missing until I realized, like, when there's people just talking in the street, if you go talk to them, you could end up with a quest. So you have to sort of organically find the quests and do them. And so there's a that's what makes the game really great is there's a lot you can miss. So when you want to play this game again, you can just try to focus on certain areas and then do completely different things. And I'm playing now where I have a whole different. I have Will in my party and Carlack in my party. I have a whole different party so I don't have to look at the same faces again either. Um, my Lazelle died in my second game, so I don't even have her. She's dead. So that's going to be, I mean, really interesting to tell, like, 
how this story is going to change because Lazell was was my, my one of my top liaisons for a whole race of people. Um, it's so much fun. Now, I will say uh, Act 1 is incredible. It could be a game all on its own. Act 2 can take you into a sort of underground for a while, which I thought was a little dank and depressing. Not terrible. Um, it wasn't like Deep Nest terrible like in Hollow Knight, but um, it can be a little depressing if you're not into that sort of thing in your game where it's just dark and you just want to see the sun and you want to see some bright colors, but it's just very dark. And then Act 3 kind of comes back up and it's it's just gorgeous again. Like I said, the game does have its share of bugs. I didn't get like crashes that I totally recall. And I think I've heard that if you have too many save files on hand, it can have some performance issues. So my, my second run, I've been I'm pretty light with that, just trying to keep a, a couple. But yeah, I mean, the choice in this game is insane. Um, the, uh, the way you do attacks, you can play this game the way I did, which is I'm just going to hit you with my sword or I'm going to hit you with a magic spell. But there are so many ways to play it. And one of the popular ways to play it is um, using a freeze spell, which will cast like ice in a big area. And then the enemies, they slip on the ice and they lose their turn, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then eventually the ice melts, but now it's water. Now you can send electric bolts into the water and electrocute the enemies. There's so many things you can do. Uh, I know one podcast I was listening to, I think the PlayStation official one where the guy said, like throw poison on the ground and then you can dip your swords in the poison and then you can attack people with the poison swords or fire swords or whatever. And dipping is something I always tried and I was like, where should I dip? And never thought that I should just make the thing and then dip it myself. There's so many different ways to play. So every time you play, you can just go, just go completely differently. And, and, and you know, this time around, I am trying to be more creative with my attacking and whatever. But you can do entirely different things. You can just start working for the bad guys. Um, you can kill NPCs and just see what happens. It can be tough sometimes when you want to play a game as a good person, but sometimes, you know, throw a little chaos in it and see what happens. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic game. It deserves game of the year. It is not unique in the fact that it's an RPG or turn-based or whatever, but it is so unique in how well it accomplishes it. And one of the things about this game that I love the most is how proud I am for having finished it because I think I've mentioned before, I had played the Divinity games and each of them I, I would try and I wanted to love them and I just couldn't get super far. The longest I got was like about 10 hours. And in this game, I was like, oh no, it's going to happen again. And I can't, you get into a battle and you die. And sometimes these battles, even with just a few enemies can take like 20 minutes because if you don't know what you're doing or you're just you're attacking and constantly missing, get yourself in a bad situation. Yeah, some of these battles can take a while. And I was like, there's no way I can finish this game. And I was like, well, I, maybe I just get to act two. If I just get to act two, maybe I'll just stop there or whatever. But the fact that I finished this game and fought final bosses and, and whatever, and I did it on the easiest mode, but it wasn't easy. Um, very proud of. So yeah, like I am. I am in a second run with this game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World lately, so I haven't played a lot of Baldur's Gate, but um, I'm still I'm still planning on going back and continuing that run a bit. I may stop after Act 1 or something, or, you know, whenever. I'm, I'm not committed to going all the way, but I'm loving playing with Karlak and these new characters whom I had not even basically talked to in the first time. It is an astounding accomplishment. I'm so proud of Larian Studios for what they made. I think this is a game people will be playing for this will be like the Skyrim. People will be playing this game for the next decade 
and finding new things all the time and, and new ways to change dialogue and do different actions to get different events. Yeah, this game is not going away in 2023. It's going to be around for a long, um, long time. And and there's something to be said that this game came out the same day, at the same essentially day, week as Starfield. And that was a gravitationally huge game on the year. And it made Starfield an afterthought that the Baldur's Gate was just so good. Um, and this little studio, maybe not super little, but it's amazing what they accomplished um, without the resources of a Microsoft or maybe a Nintendo or, you know, a Bethesda or, you know, some of these large studios. Um, an incredible game. And I guarantee you, whatever they come up with next in five or six years is going to sell out like crazy. Um, fantastic. But I do hope that a lot of people go back and play Divinity Original Sin 2 um, afterwards. I think that's that's the message I have, which is go back and play that game. It may not hit the same levels as Baldur's Gate, um, but it's got interesting characters and similar gameplay. And, you know, you might lack a little bit in the bombacity of the characters and everything. But, um, you know, if you want more Baldur's Gate 3, that's the way to go. And that's my list. That's my top eight. Number one game of the year, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Number two, Baldur's Gate 3. Number three is Dredge. Number four, Hogwarts Legacy. Number five, Street Fighter 6. Number six, Horizon Burning Shores. Number seven, Jusant. Number eight, Sea of Stars. It was a great year for games. Um, I didn't I didn't play Alan Wake 2. Uh, I haven't played Final Fantasy 16 yet. I'm still probably a week away. Um, I haven't played Resident Evil 4 Remake. I own that one as well. Um, haven't played that. Won't get to that this year either. So you're talking about three games that probably might have ended up on my list. Um, two, at least for sure, uh, that I didn't even play. Um, so 2023 was a great year for games. I'm not sure if I'm rooting for that for 2024 because there's just so many games to play. I don't need uh, so many games and so many great games and so many long games. Um, if 2024 had no games, I think I'd already be filled with things to do for 2024 but congratulations 2023 tomorrow on the chill i will be doing some side categories some fun little awards and i'll do my top eight games that i played in 2023 that did not come out in 2023 and that's also an interesting list because that could be anything but that's it for now thank you for um, listening to all four parts and um, uh, congratulations to the winners if you're listening PlayStation Daily is your daily podcast for everything Sony PlayStation. You can send me topic ideas you'd like to hear me talk about, feedback for the show, or just, hey, say hello on threads. Great service. It's in Europe now. I am PS Daily Pod, or send me an email to PlayStationDailyPod at gmail.com if you like email. Hope you've enjoyed today's pod and the series this week. Happy gaming, happy holidays, and until next time. PlayStation.